Through Their Mother's Eyes is a series of conversations with mothers who share their hearts and experiences raising black sons who because of the color of their skin are often feared, hated, and not valued as human beings. So are you ready? I'm ready, girl. Let's do it. Good. Okay. Well, hello and welcome to Through Their Mother's Eyes, where we spend time talking with real moms of black sons. This is Florence, and tonight I have the great privilege of talking with Pastor Tria Rios, who, with her husband, leads a flock. I love to say flock. Flock. Because that works. There are people there who call us Christian sheep, so, and Jesus called us sheep, so I guess. He did. Sheep, yeah. So uh, in, in South Florida at Square Root Church, and I have to say that they lead, a, they lead a congregation of people who I can only describe as just on fire for Jesus Christ followers. Wow and the spirit of God that is in that church. If you are ever in town, you should absolutely visit. Absolutely. Pastor Tria, thank you so much for joining me tonight. You know what, thank you so much for even asking me. I love having conversations like this. Anything that, where we have the opportunity to be transparent and bring different perspective and clarity is, is what I'm all about. So thank you for even asking me to be a part of this. Good, well, and I will say also that that uh, the, the pastors Rios also have a podcast of their own. So we will be sharing that information so that you can go check them out. If yes. you don't hear the truth, then don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> but if That's you a compliment. Want, Thank you. <laughs> yes. If you want to hear the truth and you just want to hear it like raw, listen to it. It's awesome. As a matter of fact, I am going to, I'm going to give you a chance to, to introduce yourself, just your background, children, married, where you grew up, where you're from, etc. And then at some point later in this conversation, I'm going to go back to your podcast. So I'm okay. So yeah, just, just like you mentioned, my name is uh, Lenitria Rios and me and my husband, we pastor here in South Florida. Um, I'm actually not from this area. I was born um, in London, England. I'm fr from a military family. Um, so I did have the opportunity to live a wonderful military-based life. I'm 35 years old. I have four children. We are a blended family. So my oldest son is 21 years old. His name is Dee. I have another son. His name is Daniel III. He is 18. My youngest son is Israel. He's 14, about to be 15. And my daughter, she is 14, about to be 15 as well. Um, so we have the, the great opportunity of, of being well-versed in family dynamics here. Um, and then we came here to South Florida to, to start a church. And that is what we do. We are on fire for Jesus. And we believe in teaching people the basic principles of Jesus Christ and really helping them grow up into maturity. So that's a big part of our passion is just revealing Jesus to people. Um, so I am a black woman raised by black parents. My parents were married the whole time that <clears throat> up until I was 18. So I have the blessing 
blessing of being able to be raised in what we would consider to be a normal family home. So I do not find myself falling within um, statistics. So I have a different perspective of black life from the, the difference of black life that we see portrayed in so many other facets. Yep. Yep. That's great. I did not, I did not know about the, the military bases. I grew up in embassy communities, so I lived in a lot of places. So we should talk about that one day. Yeah, I would love that. So, you know, I, I, I shared with you why, why we're doing this and, and, and you know, the importance of all of this. And one of the things that I have talked with, with the moms about so far is I have asked them, and I'm going to ask you now to give me, if you could, in one word, mm -hmm. describe what all of this that has been going on with the racial inequality and injustice and, and racism, if you could just describe how that makes you feel in one word, what would that be? Hmm. You know, honestly, if I could think of it in one word, that word um, honestly would be gross. <laughs> gross in, of course, in, in the way of it being, you know, just plain disgusting and, and repulsive, but also gross numerically and just how large, a large of a scale that it, that it is and how widespread it is and how it continues to be going on in this day and age. I'm sure those before us would never have thought that we'd still be in this position at this time. Gross is, is definitely the most accurate word that I could that I could say about it. I would have to say that that word is probably the most creative and the fact that there are two meanings that apply to this when you say gross is 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 a on the one hand it's it's terrible like you said that, mm -hmm. that people who went before us who have I mean they fought and they died for this for them yeah. to you know if they knew that this was still going on that would they'd be blown away. Yeah, I, I feel like they would be deflated because, mm -hmm. because we all need to, we need to do better. So before you became the mom of Black Sons, because you mm -hmm. have three. Yes. Whew, I have two and yeah. Pray so, for me, girl. I'm praying for you. You just keep praying for me. <laughs> I, have, I have moved you. My, my prayer list is over there. <laughs> by my, my desk and to the top. I'm going to move you to the top yes. <laughs> in capital letters. So before you became the mom of, of black sons though, how aware were you of the plight of, of black men in this country? Mm, I love, I love that question because, and, and maybe it'll bring um, some clarity to other black mothers, especially is like I mentioned to you before I was raised in a military home. And although both of my parents were, are from the South, the deep South, Hollis Springs, Mississippi, and actually had to walk through the integration of schools within their childhood. And they've seen really face to face some of the horrible um, faces of injustice and racism. It's not something that was often talked about in our home. I think my parents had the idea, probably like their parents before them, to give me this very pretty life so we lived in we lived out 
outside um, of the base housing for some time. We lived in a nice neighborhood, mainly a white neighborhood. I went to all white schools. Um, I cheered. I never lacked anything. I never wanted for anything. And so although I knew of some of the issues that were within the black community, I had no idea of the depth of the level and the, ac the true accuracy, right? Because that type, of, that type of lifestyle and military lifestyle is very separate from reality. And, and I definitely was shielded and insulated from the truths of the things that were going on just outside of the gate around me. So I, I really, and I, and, I, and I commend my parents, that's, that, that's, that's no shade to them. <laughs> For I think in their mind, they really were trying to cover me um, and, and we all have this hopes that for the next generation, it won't be this way. Or by the time our child is this age, this is all gonna be smoothed over. We've been fighting for so long. This has to end at some point. And I think that my parents really believed that by the time that I came into my own, that this would somehow just be dissolved. Everything would be equal. Everything would be smoothed over. We wouldn't see the, the killings and the and the and the racial disparity we wouldn't see that anymore and i would just step into this great peaceful world and that wasn't the case so as i came into my womanhood is then when i began to to really see the truth of it yeah and it's i, I like what you said about the your parents your parents shielding you from it my awareness of it was was because i grew up with a brother living in all white neighborhoods as well mm. And watching the reaction to him, I, I wasn't aware either of really what went on in, in black neighborhoods or in the inner right. city. I was mm -hmm. only aware of what I heard on the news or what I saw on TV, which is yep. what everybody else, and that's where a lot of the fear comes from, right? Absolutely. But I was unaware of so many of the things and, and my parents are from Haiti too. So okay. they, I, I got a different upbringing, even though I was born here and I got a different upbringing because I was raised by people who they didn't know. I mean, they know the plight of, of black people, right. In, mm -hmm. in the islands, but they had never lived any of that here. They, and right. even there, they were both, you know, they're both educated and, highly educated and so mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't like you I, I I didn't know a lot of this stuff right and I, re I remember um coming up and I because there's a certain way on average that we are portrayed in the media as within black culture and I remember constantly seeing things on television and in movies and all and just being like that's or that, that's funny you know I think in that it's comical and not realizing that there was an agenda that there was an agenda behind it. And just really think, there was a part of me that said that, wow, I don't identify with this part of myself. Isn't that, that's the saddest thing ever that when you see black men on TV or black women on TV as maids or as criminals or as all the, the, the hundreds of stereotypes that they place us into, to be watching that as a little girl and see that and say, wow, I must not be living black culture because that's what black culture is supposed to be. Yep. So going going back to the the mom of black sons thing. So if you knowing what you know now, mm -hmm. if you could give one piece of advice or give some advice to your younger self, 
before you became the mother of black sons? What would that, what would that advice be? So like I mentioned, I was very shielded. And, and I think my advice would, would be is to not shield, is to not try to shield your children from problems, but to ra rather than to shield them, hand them a shield. A shield is education, true black, true black history, understand, knowing um, the things that are going on in the world around you, um, be, being aware. That's this new thing of, of being woke and staying woke. And staying woke is not just a cute, trendy thing that's for, for uh, rap culture and hashtags on social media, but truly knowing who you are and how, how that affects you as, as a Black individual in this society. Um, giving our children weaponry through education, giving our children um, weaponry through real conversations is so important to give them a shield of how to truly walk in this world, not to avoid it. Because as we've seen after generation and generation, it's not something that has gone away. And if we raise up a generation of, of, of children and, and black adults and black men who have no idea what they're walking into, I walked into this thing clueless. If they walk, then the cycle repeats itself every time because then they'll believe what Hollywood says about them. Then they'll believe what systemic oppression through policing says about them. Then they'll believe that we're supposed to be uh, out in the street with golds in our mouth and, and selling dope or that all of us are illiterate. Once that, if we've never been told who we are, then we'll start believing what any and everyone else says. We'll believe what the majority says. So that would be my advice to myself is to give your children a shield rather than trying to shield them. I love that. <laughs> I, I We're gonna cut that, the voice. <laughs> but... <laughs> I love that though, the idea of giving them a shield. I, I, I've had, ever since they were little, I've had a lot of conversations with my sons. I, and to, to prepare them, like you said, but thinking of the way, first of all, and it must be because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're preacher, preacher Tria, mm -hmm. pastor, reverend, deacon. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> But because of that, the way you, you, what you do with words. So when you said, instead of shielding them, give them a shield. I can guarantee you will see that on a quote card on social media. Awesome. <laughs> but, but I love that because you said it and I, and I envisioned the, you know, the, the, a shield, the breastplate, the, the Come whole on. armor of guy. I, I yes. that, and I know mm -hmm. that you didn't say it in a, you know, in terms of the armor of God, but I know that you could just go it's off hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. Because, it, because that is, yeah. So we will, we'll get to that. We will get to that. Mm -hmm. So we are along the same lines. We're hearing a lot about, about, racial inequality and, and like we said earlier people are people are are tired of hearing about it for whatever <laughs> it makes them uncomfortable or they've been living it all their lives mm -hmm. or they've been the people's anger has been beating them down because there is that anger and and as you know anger coming at people with anger a lot of times will just backfire and, and validate what they thought of you. Yes, very often. But if you were, 
even though you're probably tired of hearing it, but if you were on an elevator with somebody for 20 to 30 seconds and that person said to you, I really don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how I can help. I feel like I don't have a, a seat at this table to make this any better. What can I do to, and, and not make things worse? And you were on the elevator with them and you had to get to an appointment. What's, what was, what's your quick elevator speech about that? My, my advice to anyone in that situation who feels like they don't have a place of where to start, I think the first place to start one is to seek out things like platforms like this, right? Podcasts and different information where there's, there's a different voice to be heard than the narrative that's pushed. So my quick elevator conversation would be to step away from the narrative and really seek out true information. There's so there's great books out there. There's great platforms that we see on social media. There's great podcasts out there. And you know, the people that surround you, you're on that elevator to somewhere where there's a black mother. You're on that elevator to somewhere where there's a black man. Maybe you have a black coworker. There's a conversation. It could just be, hey, hey can you tell me what you think about this? We seek and we, we, we search after, after knowledge. Even our Bible tells us it's for lack of knowledge that people perish. This world is falling apart simply because there's not enough people seeking. And that would be, hey, just ask, hey, here's my number. Let's start with that as, as black mothers and, and, and black and African-Americans. Here's my number, come talk to me rather than just passing you off to the next thing. Let's right. grab coffee later. And I, I would love to start with me right here. I've, I've done that I've, I've done that a bunch of times over the years on Facebook, but recently I've done that. And it's interesting that the majority of the people who are, and these are people I went to high school with, I went to a, I went to a boarding school in New Jersey, and, and a bunch of the people I went to high school with are, you can tell from the things that they say that they are, they're part of the, the crowd that is just it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a thing anymore, or it makes them really so uncomfortable that they, that they can't really talk about it. And I've offered a few times, I've said, look, if, if you want to, because I'm not, you know, I'll make comments on people's posts and everything, mm -hmm. but I'm into an argument with you on, on, on a Facebook post. I just no. want, so no. I will, I'll say, Hey, message me. And I would be more than happy to talk with you because yes, and they know this about me. I'm not going to get into an argument with them, even one-on-one -on -one either, because it's, it's just not worth it. <laughs> Nothing solved. Right. Once everybody's mad, we still left with our same opinions anyway. So, <laughs> right. And then you, you know, you ruin friendships. And so, so, uh, that was, that was a good, that was a good elevator speech. Uh, we're getting, I know that I'm getting, I've, I've had quite a few people reach out and either just to check in some people saying I had no idea and, and I'm, yeah. I'm open about stuff. I will say stuff at work. I will say stuff in, in mixed company. And I used to have black friends who said to me, well, you can't say that. You shouldn't say that in front of people who aren't black. Like, you know, when, when you watch a <laughs> Cedric, hmm. when you watch a Cedric, the entertainer movie, yeah, have a church scene. And I, I laugh. I, I grew up Catholic in, in all white neighborhoods, but wow. since then I have been a member of all black Baptist churches. And, you know, so 
I see that and I'm like, they're not really exaggerating. I mean, they're doing it in a funny way, but that happens. Yeah. (laughs) I've said in front of people, I said, I really wish they wouldn't do that in movies that people who don't get it. Come on. Watching. And that's that's when I've had my friends say, well, you shouldn't say that. But why? I'm not shaming them. Why not? Watch it and whatever. But I'm just saying that this is, this is something that I can say as a black person, mm-hmm. I have seen the person fall out or mm-hmm. jump up and wave the right. banner, and run around. It's a real, it's a real experience for you to see someone doing it in truth rather than doing it in, in jest as a joke. Yes. And yeah. in the movie, it's funny because I had moments, you know, I was married to a man who would sit there and somebody would do that and he'd go, right. I mean, he, he wouldn't, you know, because he just mm-hmm. wasn't expressive like that. So I, but I am black and I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like I can make jokes about my mom, but you shouldn't. <laughs> it belongs to me. It's different when an experience, when an experience belongs to me, I can talk about it from a very real and truthful place. So it just overflows from who I am. You can't tell me, uh, I'm not being rude or, or hurtful, but you can't tell me to not overflow of what my experience is in life. I love that you mentioned that too, Tom. I wish they wouldn't put that on TV. I wish they wouldn't either. As funny as it is for us to laugh and to see it and maybe have some jokes or even do it ourselves, because I do it too, because I'm real churchy. And I do a little church stuff all the time, but I do wish that there was a, a, a filter that we could step back in those boardrooms and say, hey, you know what, that, that's, that's funny, but I think that's funny at home because there's someone who's not going to be able to ever experience that because, we laugh, because they laughed at it first rather than experience it first. Yep. That's, that's home business. That mm-hmm. is not for the street. So, yeah. But it makes money, so it will never stop. The next thing, there's a, there's a speed round that I came up okay. with. The speed round is based on things that people have actually said to me mm-hmm. or things that I've read on social media that were, that were written by people I know. Some of okay. these things were said to me in person. Face-to-face, they could see that I was a Black woman, and they said these things anyway. So we're going to do this. And okay. I'm going to say these things, and then you just tell me the, the your first reaction. Do you know how hard this is to do with someone who talks for a living? To, so I'm just supposed to say, like, something really quickly and abrupt, and then we move on, right? Yes, unless, okay. you know, unless it... Ooh. It, it becomes a conversation and then that's fine. So All right, first, I'll be obedient. Okay. So when, when people are, when people are talking about black lives mattering, and I remember you guys talked about this in, in, in episode seven of scenarios, the podcast. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> just a little plug there. So when people say black lives matter, and then somebody says all lives matter. What's time my reaction to that is, my first reaction to that is time and place. Okay. Time and place. So Wanna go? Wanna go? What I mean about all lives matter, are we talking, are we, you have to evaluate your heart. For what reason did you say all lives matter? Is it because you truly did not believe that my life mattered? 
or are we talking about um, the, the, the global problem of people having access to clean water and why people don't? Because all lives matter and everyone should have access to clean water. Are we talking about the food shortage across the world? Are we talking about um, people should have access to, and I'm not getting politic political, but about people having access to, to healthcare, about fathers being able to see their children, about people, are, are we talking, because yeah, that matters to any and everyone. But why is it when I talk about my black life, all of a sudden everyone else's life is joining the conversation? It's a time and a place. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's one that, here's one that I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, am I gonna say this to her? She's a pastor. Okay. <laughs> Bring that, it. And I heard this one on the radio when one of the last times there was a whole hashtag campaign because a, a, a black man was was killed by a, by a, and I say rogue police officer because I know that this is not all police officers. Right. So, the what I heard on the, the the radio show was more black lives are lost in abortion clinics than at the hands of police officers. Hmm. Those lives matter, right? And that's another yeah. And that's another, and that comes from the same hardened heart and probably prejudice or racist heart that would say all lives matter in that, in that conversation. Because when I hear things like black abortion and the rates which are so heartbreaking, um, the number of black abortion, I do think of it as a way of social force. That's the first thing that comes. There is a, there is a push behind the, the, the breaking down of the black family from the fatherlessness in the home through the prison system, um, through the, the welfare mindset that would keep a, a group of people oppressed, um, through the housing segregation that would keep, if you tell a culture long enough to hate themselves, then they absolutely will. Yeah. They app every single time. We will hate ourselves to our, to our deepest core. And then also when you put things into place um, that would systemically oppress us, right? To whereas we, we, we can't ever seem to make it ahead. We don't have access, one, to our fathers. We don't have access to education. We don't have access to, to the best food, to the best uh, groups, programming, things of music, sports um, that we see in other wealthier or white neighborhoods. When you surround us with that, and then within a couple of miles of my black neighborhood, there's three or four abortion clinics within a 15 mile radius. If you tell me that these are my options when I'm already down, when I'm already low, it's, it's, and there has to be education on the black side too. I'm not saying that, the, that this is completely at the hands of someone else, but it is a social force that would almost hand the gun to a patient that's suicidal. You wouldn't do it. So there is a, there's a force behind it that says, hey, black woman, kill, kill, your, kill your offspring. The father's not there anyway. You're not ever gonna be able to make it. You didn't have access to go to college. You didn't have the greatest education. So you really don't even know what your options are. There's no, there's no other way out. And you know what? It's free. I'll pay for it for you. Go and take care of it. Yeah, it's a social force. And we have to, as mothers, we have to step up and mother our community um, and teach our girls that there, that there is another way. There is another way. And I don't know exactly what that looks like. 
but there is another way, but there is an agenda to kill off the black family, to kill off the black man, to kill, I mean, so there is a system work. And if that's not obvious um, through the numbers alone, then, then you have, you should look at, you should look at black abortion numbers with compassion and say something, there, there's, there's a push here that's not being pushed in Hispanic culture, that's not being pushed in white culture. What's really, let's, let's, let's remove the veil here and see what's really going on rather than use it as, as an, a, a, a means to attack and say, well, you kill your own people first. That, that's, that's a wicked heart that would say that. Yep. Yep. And it was a, it was a Christian radio station. I, um, and again, I am sold out for Jesus, but I will call that out when, yeah. and I heard that and it really, it hurt my heart and it just, uh, because when you, when you talk about the when you talk about the push for it, that started in Africa when people mm-hmm. were forced to help capture their neighbors or whatever, and then on the ships when the men were brutalized and raped, yeah. emasculated, and it was and and when people say systemic racism, you know that's not it is woven into the very fiber of this country we call home. For generations. I mean, and that is, and you know this, that is spiritual. You Mm -hmm. do that just to my great, 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 great grandfather. And that is going to, if it is not healed properly and addressed and it will show up Mm -hmm. future generations. Yeah. Malice, the spirit, the spirit of death self-hatred, depression, which is why our depression numbers are so high in the black community, but treatment is not. It is a spirit that has followed us generationally and that needs to be broken rather than funded. Yep, yep, absolutely. Another one is slavery ended more than 150 years ago and the civil rights movement was decades ago. Mm -hmm. We've We've even had a black president Okay. So why can't you let it go? Slavery ending um, over 150 years ago is not a long time, first of all. Um, so let's, let's not act like it doesn't touch the fibers of the way that we were raised in our homes just, just a few years ago. I'm sure if slavery has affected the way my parents raised me. Slavery affected the way that my grandparents raised them. And the touch was even closer before that to my great, great grandparents. So I understand that people are, are using this lie that slavery is over and that you should be fine and you should just wake up and be happy. But there's no possible way that, that black culture can wake up and just all of a sudden be over it when it's constantly in our face all of the time. There's no way that we can possibly move on, okay, when the very knee of, of oppression is still on our necks and we cannot breathe still. So I'm still screaming out that I can't breathe and I still haven't been heard. I wasn't heard last year. I wasn't heard in 1990, 1970. I wasn't heard in the civil rights movement. I wasn't, I still haven't been heard. So that's why I'm continuing to talk about it. When we see the numbers for employment, when we see the numbers of education in the black community, when we see um, the, 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 
the constant misdiagnosis in our healthcare and how our black women are treated um, by doctors. When we see the horrible mistreatment of our black men within the prison system, um, stop and frisk and cor corruption in the police department that seems to only target um, black and brown men, then, we'll, then we will be over it. That's the thing, honey. We're trying to get over it. That's why we're talking. That's why we're marching. That's why we're posting. That's why we're having conversations with our son is because we want to eventually be quiet about it. I would love to be quiet about it. I'm, I'm ready to be done right now. I would love to talk about anything else right now. Absolutely. I want to go out and tend to my garden. I want to post pictures with my family and talk about how great our day was and how we baked a cake and how in these times things are so great. And in these times, the economy is so wonderful and it really has set my black family up to be successful. That's what I would love to talk about, but I can't. And so for you to ask me to say anything else, you would be asking me to lie. And I cannot do that. Good. I like it. I like it. The, the, the next one is most people, most people will admit that slavery was wrong, mm -hmm. but it can't continue to be a crutch. We've admitted it was wrong. Mm -hmm. Again, move on. Right. Well, the, the, the truth about that is, is that really that if you, if, you, if you really think about it, slavery never ended, it just shifted. It just moved from one system to the next. Yes, yes. And yes. so, it, it, so I, I can't, I, that's why we can't move on. That's why we have to keep talking about it. Just because I'm not walking around with shackles and I don't have to walk around with my papers, doesn't mean that when I leave my house and when my sons leave their house and my black husband leaves this house, that we don't have a, we have a filter over us that says, hi, I'm black. I possibly may be doing more wrong than the person next to me. I possibly am more illiterate than the person next to me. I possibly took this item from the store. That's the filter that we walk around with. And so as long as we continue to see enslavement in our prison systems, enslavement in the way that we have to move around in our community with still a Yes, sir. Yes, massa. As we move around, we still have to position ourselves. We can't do normal things like go to the store. We can't do normal things like walk around in the neighborhood. We can't do normal things like allow our sons to leave their homes at seven o'clock at night to go grab a soda. We can't do that. So slavery is not ended, honey. It just shifted from one system to another very organized and structured one. It, and, and when you say organized and structured, when you study the education system in this country, you, the, the prisons, when you study everything, it's, it's all been created to keep, and I know a lot of people, a lot of people are, are annoyed or angry when I say this, but it was created to keep, and we're, this is not the first civilization that's done that. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that it is 2020, yeah, and we've done that. And, and it's still, you know, in this country, we're supposed to be so advanced. Right. So we should not be operating this way. And people should be able to acknowledge. I'm not saying go, you know, people, people are, are, are tearing down Confederate statues. That's one thing. I'm not saying That's go, 
yeah, I'm not saying go tear down all the buildings that were built by slaves. I'm not saying go tear down this institution and that and start from scratch. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to go in there and look at it and see where all of this stuff was woven in and the work needs to be done to weave different new threads in there yeah. without people taking, yeah, and, and it's that whole, I don't want to lose my stuff. Yeah. I want to lose my stuff. I don't mind if you have stuff, Tria. I don't want to lose my stuff though. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying give all your stuff away either. I'm saying acknowledge that it's a thing. Acknowledge yeah. that something needs to be done about it and be part of the solution. Absolutely. And you know, the, the here's the saddest part about this whole thing is that we are not talking and fighting for to, uh, to, to, to succeed in, to be over someone, to be considered greater than someone, to have the upper hand. We're not, we are simply asking to be equal and it's still an issue and it's still a problem. And it's still a, yeah, but how is there a yeah, but when I say, hey, I just wanna do the same thing that you can do. I just wanna learn the same way that you can learn. I wanna live in a community like your community. I want my kids to go to this type of school. How is it I just wanna be the same? And it's still a problem for, for anyone. I think that is the most heartbreaking. That's why when we hear things like all lives matter, that's why when we hear things like, yeah, but abortion. When I hear but, it, it crushes my heart. Because at the end of the day, I just want to be the same. I just wanted to be treated the exact same. Yeah. That is deep. That's good. I could actually just wrap it up right now because of what you just said. Oh. But thanks <laughs> to the miracle of editing, Praise the Lord. might end up being the last thing you said. Switch it over, Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my, and I say one of my favorites, Racism wouldn't be a thing if black people would let it go. Racism, racism doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, um, I don't know where they live. <laughs> What's your address? That's my response. <laughs> Come I, over there. I'm trying to be where you at. Whoever said that, I'm trying to be where you at. Please drop me a pen because that is the biggest lie we have ever seen. I love that. <laughs> The biggest lie anyone has ever told to say that racism does not exist. It's very untrue. And here's the, here's the thing. I'll be the first one to say it exists within my family. That's the thing. No one wants to be the first one to own up. I've, gr I've grown up hearing things about this type of culture or this type of culture or this type of culture. And we're on the bottom end in America of, rece of receiving oppression. And even we have our issues with cultures. So I, I know that it's being said in homes across every street, every state. There are great people in this world who have pure hearts and that love the Lord and that, and that don't wanna see anyone being broken down, but that is not the majority. That is true for some people that they do love all colors and all people, but that's not true for the way that our laws and systems are put in place. It may be that racism is on the decline, possibly within people's hearts, but yeah. it's not It's not on the decline within, within our government, within our ways of things that are set up, um, within stereotypes, within media, within education. It's not true there. 
Right, right. It's not. It's not even in our in our in the Constitution. No. Right. Let, all, let's start there. All men are created equal, but we were not but, human at the time. So word. Mm -hmm. there's but. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so all men are created equal, and still to this day, it still refers to what they meant by all men. All humans, not the three fifths. Not the three fifths. Not them the five fifths people. So, okay. The, I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to hit you with two more. Okay. Here. And one of them is, I don't see color. Oh, what a pity. What a pity because my color is so beautiful and it has so many different shades and it has so much creativity. It brings so much to the table and it wants to share that with you openly. I hate that you don't see color. And you know what, that may sound really cute as a slogan and you think that maybe it settled an argument for you. But the truth is, is that if you don't see color, then you don't see the creativity of our God because he was so magnificent in who he was and in his mind and in his sovereign ways that he decided to make us so individually unique that I'm a little browner on, on my face than, I, than you are on yours, that my hair is a little kinkier and your hair is a little curlier, that, you're, that God is so diverse that he gave us this rainbow of people. And if you can't see that, then one, either you're lying, okay, let's call out the liars today. Um, but my color brings something to the table that you should see. You should see it and say, hey, I want to get to know everything about you. And then maybe it'll help me learn more about myself. It's a cute slogan, but it's an error. Yep, I agree. And the when you're talking about the creativity of God, he created us all in his image. So if you don't see color, you don't see a part of You don't of see him. him. Mm -hmm. Because this is mm -hmm. in his image. Yes. So it is. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. the, the last one, I'm going to hit you with this one. The last okay. one is if I, I have a hard time even saying this, but if they, as in black people, didn't commit so many crimes, they wouldn't be treated as if they committed so many crimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, here's the, here's the truth about, about crime, is that all races of people create crime in the community in which they live in. So it's very a, a very skewed statement to say that if we committed less crime, that then things would be somehow better for us. Well, I think that's a, that's a worldwide statement. It's a very true statement. It just does not apply individually to black culture. I think that if we all did not create, did not have so many issues with crime, then this world would actually be a better place. But it's, you can't, to anyone who says that, you have to look up the true depth of systemic oppression. You have to and understand why there's so much tension. You have to also seek and search out in your Bible about generational curses and things that follow people spiritually, which yes. is why you see crime, which is why you see abortion, which is why you see hatred even within the black community, because you have scripted us in such a way that we hate each other, that we hate where we live, that we hate our home, where you place us we hate ourselves and we've been ingrained to think and there's a lot of us yes that are free 
from that thinking, but I'm talking about as a community, then you put us in a place where we don't have anything and we don't own nothing and we feel that we have nothing to lose. And then you take our fathers away from us and our mothers are working small jobs to do this here and there and here and there. So there's no parent. And of course you're gonna see crime. So instead of judgment, I really need some compassion. We really need some programming. We really need the spirit of God, that stuff that's so funny on those movies where people are falling out. I think maybe you need to fall out. You need the Holy Ghost to hit you upside the head and give you some revelation on some truth and have some compassion for your brother because the crime is a problem, but it's a problem nationwide, not culture-wide. Yeah, worldwide, I mean. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. So at this point, I, before I, I thank you and send you on your merry way this wonderful Friday night, I wanted to ask you, because I have the opportunity, since you are a, a I don't know, do we say woman of the cloth? <laughs> no, I'm too young for the cloth. <laughs> I've never worn, worn a clergy collar in my life. If you give me 10 years, maybe I'll put one on. Really? <laughs> That I would like to see. <laughs> so, but would you be wearing all black or would you be wearing all like, black? All black with a bun. With no a, tattoos showing. Not in the collar. No tattoos showing. <laughs> so, because I have the opportunity to have you here, I think it would be wonderful if you could say a little prayer. Absolutely. For you know this this. The people who are listening, the, the, the pain that's out there, the work that we're doing and the work that needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. Let's do it. So Sorry. Father God, we love you so much, God. We just thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. We know that you're sovereign, that you're all-knowing, Father, and that you are wise. And Father, we ask for that wisdom, for your word tells us that if we would seek out wisdom, Father, that you would give it to us and that you would give it to us liberally. Father, would you help us to navigate these times and these seasons, not only just saying us as in Black culture, but as this world, Father. We want to be united. We know that, God, in unity, what we can do for there's a power in numbers jesus so father would you just continue to let your spirit of truth just to continue to flow over this nation i pray for those who have been in pain who have been weary who have felt a restlessness and an anxiety fall over them father let us not grow weary in doing well because we know that our due season is coming and in due season we will reap if we faint not i pray over this podcast i pray over every listener I pray over every mother who worries over her children at night, God. And I pray an awakening over other cultures that as we get to learn from you, Father, that we would continue to learn from each other. And Father, it's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining me tonight. Again, thank you so much for taking time out on a Friday. Thank and you, Florence. Even after you braved the South Florida traffic. Just, just stuck, just stuck for no reason, no accident, nothing, just stuck. Yeah, it's Friday and people are just looking at stuff, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because ain't nothing open. <laughs> Earlier in this episode, Florence asked Lenitria to share information about her podcast, and here is what she had to say. We would absolutely love it if you would check it out. Her information is in the description below.
So me and my husband, we have a podcast that we have recently started throughout this past year, and it's called Scenarios. You can look up my name and search it on YouTube. It's Of course, it's on Apple and any platform where you can listen to podcasts. But what we hope to do is exactly what you guys are doing here, is to bring a perspective. We, our Bible tells us that there's a safety in a multitude of counsel. And so many people walk around with their own isolated thoughts and ideas. And we just want to be some godly counsel that would come in and try to give you some godly perspective just on everyday things. We talk about family dynamics. We've had some conversations about, about racism. We've talked about loss. But I would love for anyone who's listening who just wants to go, hey, you can just go click subscribe and never watch it. I mean, if you want to be like that, that's fine. But I would love for you to join in in the conversation and, 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 and be a part of listening to scenarios with us because I think we really have something that we're bringing to provide clarity. Have you ever had like a conversation with someone and the more you talked about it, the more understanding just kind of unfolded? And I really hope that that's what our podcast is for people um, that tune in. Just like, wow, I never thought of it that way. That's the aha moment that we hope to bring. So I would love if people would stop by the channel and stop by YouTube and check it out. And we will share the information. And also, just so you know, you, you've heard this conversation with that I've been having with Pastor Tria, picture that and her male counterpart who is as <laughs> real and as just upfront as she is and picture them just bouncing things off each other. It is, when, when I think about, I was telling my sister the other day, uh, actually yesterday, she said something about my brother-in-law. She said, my husband, whatever. And I said, oh, it's been so long since I've said that. And oh, how I miss saying that. And then I laughed and I said, just kidding. Then I said, well, that's not true. I'm not kidding. I look forward to the day when I can say that again, yeah. but say that about a man who's walking with Christ because mm -hmm. I haven't done that before. And wow. so to hear these two people, you know, they're married and they, all the stuff, if you're married or you've ever been, you know, all the stuff that comes with it. And <laughs> They, you know, they're holding themselves accountable to the whole, you know, taking it to the cross and everything. And they're having these conversations and it's just real. They mm. joke, they make fun of each other. They, <laughs> it's just, it's a wonderful thing. So we will it's definitely- a lot of making fun of each other. It, it's a lot, but it's all, like you can tell it's all in love. You guys, <laughs> you guys act like little teenagers with your, you know, little crush on each other. That's my guy. That's my guy. He has my heart. <laughs> Yeah. So, but they're real people. So it's not one of these, oh, well, these people are pastors and they act like they're perfect. No, they are real people. And it's, you know, so we will definitely be talking about your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Through Their Mother's Eyes, Real Talk with Moms of Black Sons. We'll be back next week with another great conversation. In the meantime, don't forget to like and follow us and join the conversation on Facebook or Instagram. <laughs>